Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey there, buddy. What are you doing? What's up there, brother? (laughs) Here we are again, ladies and gentlemen, back on your favorite uh, internet radio program, same as it ever was. We've a science experiment gone wrong. Science experiment gone wrong. (laughs) The social experiment gone awry. Yeah, uh, no, man. Yeah, so here we are on a, a lovely Thursday. Um, yeah, we're, on, we're on. feeling the remnants of the hurricane. Oh, are you now? Oh, already. Wow. Already. I was actually thinking about that earlier today. I was wondering. Uh, I was wondering, nice. How long? Well, that obviously. I mean, you and I both have, you know, friends uh, living in the area down there. I actually have some friends who own a. Uh, they own a, a place down in Destin outside of Pensacola and apparently that is really sort of right in the has been right in the uh the bullseye of this whole thing uh thankfully they're not actually down there right now but they've got a property down there and I know that they've been thinking really you know thinking really hard and and uh you know putting thoughts and prayers out to some folks who are down there obviously really struggling right now so how did, uh, how did they come up with that name Destin? I wonder. Like, was it? It, it seems like it's one of those places because you know Florida, but it seems like one of those places. Like, what's that word that we want? You know, it's the place that you want to land, like the place that you want to go. Destin, Destin. Are you serious? Destin. <laughs> Destin. Destin. What's the other part? I know something. We got to turn in this paperwork <laughs> to, to name the city. Dude, if we don't submit the name, if we, if we don't submit it right now, then somebody else you know gets what? to Fuck choose. It. Destin. Yep. Destin. And then they turn it in. It's good forever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they go home. Nation. Destination. 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 Asian. That was it. God. Damn it. Swanee, Swanas. Right. Samsonite. It was way off. Samsonite. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> He That's must our work. movie he, quote of the, of the, of the must, episode. He, he must work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. But no, I mean, obviously, I was thinking about that myself because uh, as far as the weather, I mean, up here, the weather has been gorgeous. Uh, we're getting into definitely my favorite time of the year, man. Oh, Ooh, no, I, I love would, it. I would agree with you because he, like, uh, so we can talk about it later, but I'm getting ready for a 5K. Ooh, Mr. Mr. Bad Knees is going to go out on the 5K. Badness. Badness. Bad Knees Bears. The Bad Knees. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, man, like 62 degrees at like 630 in the morning. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, I'm like. Dude, we got up the the other morning. Jennifer actually got up. She got up to, uh, to go to work. She went out to the car to take off turned on the car temperature came up it was 39 oh oh yes sir okay yeah buddy i forget i walked out to my car because she leaves really early i i walked out it was just before eight and it was 45 i was like whoo there is a there's a little chill in the air smell that brisk Mm -mm. dude love it this is crazy this is crazy this This is crazy crazy. this is crazy (laughs) dude love it though (laughs) honestly that's it's like you know the the i i posted on facebook just the other day this it was a tree this is actually like uh last week maybe and this tree that was right behind the apartment we were living in we moved by the way i saw the picture we've got all of that going on which uh yeah man i'm telling you um COVID has this, this whole COVID thing has tertiary effects. Mm. Yes. Uh, second and third order effects. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, uh, we see it at work because uh, down at the boatyard, man, you, people come in, they drop their boats off. They want a bunch of stuff done and it'll be something as simple as parts. 
they want some special thing and we can't get it for another month. And it's like, well, we've done everything except for that. So if you want us to hold on to it for a month, we'll do that. If you want to just take it and bring it back, that's fine. But it's going to take us like a month to get that thing. Well, and, and when Joaquin was doing his Eagle project, uh, you know, I took him to do the legwork on materials and they forewarned us like at Home Depot, Lowe's, yep. um, that, hey, there's a lumber shortage. Sure. And, um, it, you know, it's like, hey, how are the trees up there? They're growing, right? They're good, right. right? <laughs> but it wasn't that. It was just they didn't have the drivers to be able to get it's just the, the supply flow. line. It's yeah. the supply line, man. And that's what I'm saying. We went out because, well, when we're li- we're living in a townhouse that is almost directly behind my daughter's apartment that we were living in, which is really cool because we're in super close proximity. You can walk over to her place. It takes you two minutes. You can do flashlights. Yeah, right. Windows. We're doing that <laughs> right through the windows. Um, but yeah, like we, we got, well, when we knew that we were going to be moving, I contacted the movers for the military move. You know, when you go retire, if you're not moving your stuff immediately, it goes into storage. And so I contacted uh, the movers to find out when I could get the stuff picked up, you know, whatever. And you know how this works. You put in, you request a date and so forth. Uh, I requested this date to get it dropped off. They told me initially it was going to get picked up yesterday. I called a couple weeks ago. And it said, yeah, your stuff's getting picked up on the 16th, but, uh, it, and it'll get delivered no later than the 29th. I'm like, uh, dude, we're not that far away, you know, but this is just how it's working. And they said, well, just call like the day before the pickup and we'll have a better idea of when it's going to get dropped off. I call the guy says, yeah, we're picking it up tomorrow. Call me back uh, next week. We'll have a better idea. I'm like, so we have bedrooms because we've obviously had our own bedroom stuff since we moved back here. But the rest of our household goods, man, it's like uh, I have no idea when that stuff's showing up. And I will tell you right now, man, like having no living room, having no dining room. I mean, you and I have both lived through this multiple times. Yeah. Uh, but it just sucks, especially when you have I mean, usually when you make these moves in the military at least you have a date that they're like okay well your stuff's gonna come on this date and right now i'm just like i have no idea no i i literally said to jennifer the other day i was like i think i'm ready to go and just buy like a bud light inflatable couch (laughs) yes i dude i need something to sit on we need a living room this is ridiculous I'm eating all of my meals sitting on the kitchen counter. <laughs> I don't even have a table. You know, I'm like, oh my. And then we went to the, we went, because we were like, oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have, like, and I'm not putting your family on blast or whatever, but like, like your bros and everyone that's there, they don't have like foldable like chairs and tables that you can borrow. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they probably do. We haven't even reached out to anybody yet. You know, I mean, to be oh, honest, that's we, we, I know, I get it. I get <laughs> I re- it. I, I, I recant yeah. my, uh, <laughs> my accusation. My brother's uh, going to fucking hit me up on social right, media. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like, does Jim really need a folding table? <laughs> well, apparently, no. apparently well, no. he needs something because uh, he's eating November, on the floor. In November, when he listens to this episode, oh, right? Hey, just he'd be like, "Call I never, and reach out." You never knew. I never knew. You never called me. Yeah, call yeah. and reach out. You still need that chair and table, right? Exactly. And uh, then you'll say no, and you're like, "Okay, thoughts and prayers." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I was like, we, so we decided. Okay, well, we we were thinking about getting a new sectional because the one that's getting delivered is pretty beat up. Um, we had bought it, we had bought it, it was not new when we bought it in San Diego and it went to Virginia beach with us and whatever. Uh, so we're like, okay. And, and honestly, even we had it in Virginia beach, I was like, dude, we need to get something new. Cause with my back and all this stuff, it's just, it's killing me. Uh, so we go to the furniture store and walk in there, see something we really like, sit down, you know, when can you get it? The guy's like, um, no earlier than October 24th. 
I'm like, dude, that's six weeks away. But that's how this whole thing's working right now, man. Like, or or you go with what they have in stock. What do you have in stock? No, they don't have anything, dude. That's what really? I'm saying is that everything that we wow. have, he he said he was like, no matter what you want, we can't like we can't get it until like the third week in October. Because the like you say, it's like with the lumber thing, the supply chain is so backed up. And it's just moving so slow right now. It's just unbelievable. So when when I asked about that to the guys at Home Depot, um, they're like, "Yeah, all the trucks that they're they're selling their contracts to Amazon." Really? The drivers? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because I wonder how during, much of that comes into play with this whole thing during during the well, it's all contractual right so no i get it but if, if, times, if it becomes centralized like that wouldn't you think that that would have some sort of uh, some sort of effect on on the timeliness of the stuff if all of a sudden you know the because I, I can only imagine amazon's making a mint well but they are also monopolizing the delivery tra- chain by saying hey we need to get stuff from place to place to keep up with covid right i mean i you know people were ordering everything you know oh it's insane online i know and and amazon was the biggest you know reaper of that benefit so then well we're just gonna buy out the contracts um of other you know truck driving companies to make sure that our that we can keep up with demand and they have the money they have the money to do it so they do It's yeah, that's that's insane. I mean, I, I mean and, and if I'm if I'm a if I'm a contract uh, truck driver, like um, my mom's cousin is a truck. Her and her husband have a rig, and yep. they they pick up contracts. Their main source of income is military moves, right? And and for those of you who don't know, like on that level, it's not just the driving of the materials like they pack the stuff up right because then they're cutting out another company having to do that part right so oh so they're doing they're doing the whole thing they're actually that's right packing it up and moving it yep holy mackerel man but that contract is gold yeah no it is and i I mean i've I've talked to because obviously having done like so many of these moves i mean there have been times where I've talked to these drivers and the drivers are straight up just like, I drive, dude. Yep. And then we sleep in the back. And well, they've like, they've got a crew and the crew does all the packing. Like they send somebody the day before to pack all the stuff up and then they show up with the truck the next day and you've got the guys who go in to do all the heavy lifting. But the driver is just like, I do the paperwork and I drive. Like, I don't, I don't go in there and lift anything. They're just, I drive the, I drive the rig. That's my gig. When you think about it, man, it's like, that's a hell of a gig. I mean, as long as these guys are moving in a timely manner, which I will say, I mean, dude, when we left Virginia Beach, oh, my God, it was ridiculous. We were living in, at the time, what was essentially a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment. This apartment was... It was quaint. Well, yeah, you quaint is a kind word. I mean, it was a thousand square feet. And it took those dudes. Oh God, I can't even remember what it was. It was it was like it took them like thirteen hours to move the stuff out of our place. I was like, "What?" You get to this point, I'm like, "I would." I what is going I, on? Well, I don't. I don't know. Like moving the large furniture out of your place based on what floor and the way that the stairs were and stuff. Oh that, yeah, I know. I that's know. a difficult move. It is. It is. I mean, there was an elevator, you know, which made it a lot, it made it much easier because they could just roll the stuff down, put it on the elevator and they were good. But what gets scary is that when it's, it's getting long and the head honcho of the crew knows that it's getting long and you can tell that these dudes are done. They are like, they're over this. And now they get to the point where they, I mean, they're just taking your stuff, man. And they're just chucking it in the truck. Because they know they're like, dude, we are way behind. We should not have been here this long. Like, we need to get out of here. Do you remember what time they showed up? Oh, God. I, it was like... 
was like seven in the morning, seven, eight okay. in the morning. And I don't think they left until almost 10 o'clock at night. Fair. It was absolutely insane. Um, and of course, you know what that experience is, man. When you're just sitting there watching and there's nothing you can do. You just sit well, there. Where I've been burned is not watching after they leave the apartment. Mm. Yeah. No, that does suck. And we were we were lucky because depending on what the move is, I mean, with the, with the move that we were doing, we were lucky because. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we no we, we we were lucky because uh, Mackenzie and Cody they had a truck with a U-Haul, so we put, had already put a bunch of stuff in there, and we had the expedition. So it was like, okay, anything that's left in here, man, is just going in the back of the expedition, and it's going with us. But when you're making one of those moves like to Hawaii or something, when you're traveling Oconus like out of the country, dude, I mean, if you forgot anything, uh, sorry. Yep. (laughs) And I think I think we've talked about in a previous where they packed up like our passports and my phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, dude. That was just insane. (laughs) Uh, I had to to go down to the port. My wife would have had probably she probably would have had an aneurysm her brain would have popped (laughs) if that had happened oh my god i mean in that that same episode we talked about it that was the whole thing i was telling you about how when we were leaving hawaii and we were supposed to be traveling to new york we had all of this stuff and the dogs and the whole nine yards and they're all in crates just like they're supposed to be and whatever and all of a sudden we get to the airport and they tell us uh yeah the temperature's too cold in the plane, so you guys can't fly today. And we're just sitting there like, uh, okay. They have a blanket uh, and they seriously, have fur. Yeah, I'm like, we have, all of the, we have all these bags. We have the four of us. We have two dogs in crates. And what, where are we supposed to go? <laughs> like, Okay, so now we're calling friends. Like, hey man, can you put us up for oh, a no, night? I would have I would have been uh all over the so this is your regulation that is causing this. Right. Then show me the regulation that when you cancel someone's flight that you pay for our hotel. Right. Well and that <laughs> oh God. And and just that. Oh my it was just such Again, because because that that happened to us when we came from Italy and it was weather going to Memphis from Chicago. Right. uh, And with the dog and they're like, we have to cancel your flight. But it was I didn't have to say anything. They're like, "Okay, well, we're going to put you up in a hotel. Like, right. Yeah. No, the only time that I ever found myself in a position like that was when this is my first duty station. I was at Camp Lejeune. Jennifer had flown home with the girls and they were very small and she was flying back and her flights had all gotten delayed. And I had, I had to drive all the way out to Raleigh from Jacksonville, which is not a short drive. Nope. And I got all the way out there. I'm waiting around for hours waiting for her flight to show up. And it finally showed up and it was like, dude, it it had to have been pushing midnight. I was just, I went to the ticket counter. I'm like, listen, where we live in Jacksonville, there is no way I'm driving my wife and these kids all the way back to Jacksonville tonight. Like this whole thing got jacked up with these flights. We need a hotel room. And they were like, okay. I was like, thank God. <laughs> Just the thought of having to make that right. Cause I remember her coming off the plane, her coming off the plane with those kids. And it was like, dude, not a, not a happy camper. I'll put it that way. Her flying alone with two small kids. Oh, my lord. Lord. <laughs> no. Not not fun. That the, the, that she had she had the look on her face that was almost as desperate as us flying Space A, which some people may remember as a Mac flight. And we were we had traveled all the way from Hawaii to Maine. And we were coming back and we had an overnight in, at Travis Air Force Base outside of San Francisco or Sacramento. And we got up the next morning. They said they had a flight. We showed up to the terminal there at the base. And, dude, all of a sudden, these women start coming out of the woodwork with multitudes of children. 
and they've been stuck at Travis Air Force Base. Like some of these women were saying that they had been stuck there for a week waiting for a flight because if you don't have your sponsor with you, if you don't have the active duty member with you when you're traveling, it puts you in a completely lower category to fly. And of course I'm there. So I'm like, dude, we're ready to go. But Oh my Lord, dude, the look on some of these women's faces, I was like, Oh my God, I feel so sorry for you. I, I, I looked at Jennifer when I'm looking at these women and these kids and I'm looking at her, I'm like, you're never doing that. You are never taking the space. A thing is amazing. It is. Have you ever done it before? Yes. Uh, so one, uh, when I, when I was in Japan, uh, one leave period, um, and we, we were me and the bass player's names Armando. Armando. That's a great we name. Were, Armando. Armando. Um, so, my wife, but we weren't married at the time, but, you know, we were together. Um, Your boo. She, what's that? Your boo. My boo. Uh, they had traveled uh, for work, uh, the, the band, to yeah. Guam. Right? Okay. Yep. And so they were in Guam for a week. Well, we, me and Armando, we were in the rock band, right? So we had different leave times. We're trying to get to Hawaii. And we fly Space A and we get to Guam. But then they're like, you know, Space A, it's like um, we weren't on orders. So then we were in a lower tier. Yep. And then we could never get there. So then we're like, okay, well, let's go. You know, there's people on orders on per diem that have hotel rooms. Like in Guam, Guam is a posted stamp, like Mariana's Islands. Like, yeah. And and so we were kind of like hot racking with people like, hey, we'll sleep on your floor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To save money. Because yep. we didn't know when when we were going to be able to get a flight yep. out because we were getting bumped down on the list because people who have orders have priority. Sure. And we were just on vacate. Well, after day two, we're like, fuck it. We're not we're not going to get that. So it's time for us to get our own room. Right. You know, like, uh, hey, thanks for hooking us up. But we're not. So then we went and got a room one night. It was awesome. We stayed at a, like what I would call a love motel. So each, each Mm. of the, each of the rooms were themed and the one that they gave us, it was no shit, a heart shaped king size bed. (laughs) So we're, 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 you're like, like you're laying there, you're laying there and like you turn the lights out all of a sudden, like, Love you, dude. <laughs> well, between that and then hearing what was going on in the other rooms. Oh God. <laughs> it was one of those places. What right? was the what was the what was the uh the big freaking strip joint that was there in Guam? I don't I, know what you're talking about. No, because uh, I remember but if I did know what you were talking about, it would I, be called. <laughs> I, I remember it was like the Oh, I think it was called the G spot. Oh yeah, I, I, don't I know. might be wrong, but I remember I was on the Peleliu, and we pulled into Guam, and all these sailors on the ship are like, "We're going!" I think it was the G spot. We're going to the G spot, man. You gotta go. And I was like, oh, "No, I'm good." <laughs> well, we had pre like the whole reason. I mean, other than just being over to Hawaii, but like you know, we are divers, scuba divers. Oh yeah, and. For those of you that don't know, like Guam is one of the better places, the yes. Mariana's Trench and all that yep. is to go diving. So we were just like, fuck it. Let's let's just stay here for the last, you know, like for four days. Because you, you when you fly space, say you have to give yourself like plus or minus three yep. days. Oh, yeah. Three days. Yep. And so we only had like 14. And so we went we went diving every day, man. And. It, wow. it was cool. Like I have some awesome pictures. Yeah. Um, but and that's what we do. We just go dive, come in. You know, we rented a car, did all this cool stuff, uh, and stayed at Love Motels because those are the cheaper ones. Right. Um, but but it was great. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Because I and remember... we never got to go to like we would go. We we were literally going to the Air Force base trying because the Air Force. Uh, by the way, do you know what Max stands for? No. 
No, I don't. It's a it's it's an acronym. The military loves acronyms. Of for course, people. of course. Military Airlift Command. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But we were going every day, like, hey, let's, or we would call, and they're like, yeah, this one's going to be full. Well, and the crazy thing about it, man, is that these these flights, they have these regular, at least they used to. I don't know if they Rotators. still do. Well, Rotators. And it was like they, they have these flights that go regardless of whether or not there's anything that they're moving. So, I mean, when we flew from, we flew from Andrews Air Force Base outside of D.C. to Travis Air Force Base. And we flew on a C-17. I mean, this is this just enormous cargo jet. Yep. There was nothing in it. There was just us. It was us and the rest, the rest of the people who were like, yeah, I'm looking When you for, say us, for people perspective, how many people? How many people were on the flight? Yeah, when you say it was just us. Maybe, like, maybe 20. Yeah, but like 20, it could probably fit how many? Oh my God, this thing, I, I could, I mean, if 200 they, at least. Yes, they, they, cause they, if they're moving troops, they'll put in like these seats that almost look like airline seats. Yep. That they'll and put then in, in the there. back of them is when they put in the equipment, right? Like Humvees and exactly. tanks. Right. No, I mean, it, 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 dude, it was just vehicles. this, it was this giant empty jet. And I mean, as soon as you leave, you know, on a, on a, on a civilian plane, you, you know, you get up and they're like, okay, when we get to cruising altitude, we'll turn off the seatbelt sign, you know, whatever. Dude, as soon as we left the ground, the pilot's like, yeah, so if you want to go ahead and uh, move around the cabin and like, dude, you could have like, you could have played catch in this thing. You could yeah, have thrown could, a football yeah. around. It was um, so huge. One of my childhood friends uh, graduated of the Air Force Academy, uh, 6'7". We call him Oak Tree. Oak. Um, basketball player. Uh, he went to Air Force Academy. He wanted to fly planes, man. And he barely fit. He willed yeah. himself into the trainers. And then when he graduated and went to flight school, they gave him the C-17s. Yeah. So like in the in the Pacific, like he would always go out to Diego Garcia. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Um, and now he works for uh, UPS. Right. Before, you know, he was in, he he did his he served his obligated service for the Air Force, stayed in the reserves and then and flew C-17s there. And then si- simultaneously, like got he was like either FedEx or UPS. And what was cool is like at the time I was living in Memphis and that's where the FedEx home offices were. It's like, dude, yeah, go to Memphis. Like, we could hang out. But he liked Louisville better. And, you know, that's where he lives now. Right. Um, but he would tell me, like, yeah, dude, like, flying those fucking big-ass fucking planes, man. It was. Yeah, man. It was just, it was crazy. Like, our ex- our experience with this trip, and I'll, I'll try to make this short, was us leaving Hawaii from Hickam Air Force Base and when they, you know, our number comes up, whatever, they say, okay, go ahead. You know, we're going to put you on a shuttle, take you out to the plane. We show up. It's this jet. And we go to get on this jet. We step onto it. And I'm immediately like, this has got to be like a consular's jet or something. something, Because it had like lazy boys in it. It ha- I mean, I was afraid to sit down. I'm looking at this dude. He's like, I'm like, uh, he's like, oh, you guys sit right here. I'm looking at him like, uh, what? He's like, yeah, go ahead and sit down. These things, recliners, dude, with tables and TVs. I'm like, okay. So we jump on this plane. You know, we take off. We go to Scott Air Force Base in Illinois, and we land there. We had seen that there was supposed to be a flight going to Hickam Air Force Base in Massachusetts, which we were super psyched because we're like, dude, if we can get a flight to Hickam or to, to Hanscom, dude, we'll be like a couple hours from home. When are, we... are you are you flying Space A at this point? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. So um, when we get to tr- when we get to Scott Air Force Base, go to the counter. There's supposed to be a flight. They're like, yeah, there's nothing going east for like three days. 
I looked at Jennifer. I was like, we're getting a rental car because we're not sitting here for three days. The hell with that. So we get a rental car. We drive to Maine. Um, on the way back, we drove down from Maine to Andrews, like I say, outside of D.C. We take the C-17, big cargo jet. Okay, so it's not the consular plane, whatever. We're getting a flight. We land in Travis. There was supposed to be another flight going from Travis to Hickam, back to Hawaii. That day, we show up. Nope, no flight. Fine. We stay the night. Uh, it was like a, you know, this. It's like an, a, a townhouse. It was crazy. They're empty. It's like transient, whatever. Uh, we stay there on base. Next morning, get up. It was cold as balls. I was not prepared for that at all. I was like, the day we showed up, it was hot as hell. And the next morning, I was like, yeah, we're definitely in some sort of high desert here. Because we <laughs> woke up the next morning. It's like 40 degrees. I was so cold. Uh, we, and, of course, I'm telling Jennifer, I'm like, dude, we got to get up. We got to get over to the terminal. We got to see if we can get a flight. We get over there. And the flight that I'm telling you about with all the sad people waiting to get it was we get out to the flight line. It's a C-130. A four turboprop C-130. And well, like, I'm like, comfortable. Like most of my naval career, I've flown in C-130s. I'm comfortable in those. Oh, dude, I don't mind it. But I'm traveling with my wife and at this point, three kids. Luck well, luckily my wife has also flown in oh, so. dude. I was <laughs> like, uh you know, and, and the whole time the kids like the kids are like they want to get up, they're walking around, they want to check it out, you know, they're looking they're trying to look out like the little portholes that are in the side of the C one thirty. I mean, I'd flown in them in you know, numerous times, but I'm like I've never flown on it with my wife and kids. I've flown in People need to look this up at a map to understand how long a flight this was from Atsugi, Japan to Singapore in a, C- in a C-130. And they don't go fast. Oh, no. That's what I'm saying. The C-130. We had to from stop Tra- in, in, in uh, the Philippines. Yep. For fuel. Yeah. And then go. Yeah. It, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. The flight from Travis. I mean, if you were taking a jet, like a regular passenger jet. This would be maybe a four or five hour flight to get to Hawaii. Dude, it took us almost nine hours. Almost nine hours in this C-130 just cruising over the Pacific to get back. I mean, it, the coolest part about this, though, I will say, was that that, that, that C-130 did not land at Hickam. It actually landed at Keneoi Bay, and went, which was where we lived. So it was like the plane lands, the ramp drops, and I'm like, oh, our house is right over there. I called my next door neighbor. He grabbed a freaking govy van from work, drove over. We threw all our stuff and he drove us home. I was like, that is awesome. That's like, dude, that's like you've got an airstrip in your backyard that you could just land and somebody brings you to your house. Dude, it was freaking, that part of it was very cool. Little, very little travel after you got back. You just like cruise across the base in your home, but it it was a freaking adventure, man. I mean, you were talking about the whole, um, you were talking about the whole diving thing, and that reminded me of again when I was on the Peleliu, we had gone from Hawaii to Guam, and the next stop after Guam was uh, was the island of Peleliu because it was the anniversary of the battle of Peleliu and we were going to go there and the band was going to play. And so we took, uh, we took, uh, CH 53s, super stallions. We took the helicopters off of the, off of the ship, the Peleliu and we're flying over Palau, which is insane, dude. I mean, it, it has got to be one of the most picturesque, beautiful places in the world i mean you're you're in this helicopter flying over the sea and i know you've seen this before but the ocean is just all of these crazy various degrees of aqua green and blue yeah and the islands are just like i don't know who i was talking to about this recently like a bonbon 
like those little it ice is. you know it's these little green bonbons of <laughs> islands bonbon, yeah. everywhere just you know and you're just in a helicopter flying over this we land uh at this airstrip and it's just like dirt we land we go we change we do the ceremony we come back you know change back into camis we come back over this airstrip and we're waiting for the helicopters to come pick us up. And there's all these locals who are there that are looking at us like we're freaking space aliens or something, you know? And all of a sudden this freaking, this white dude comes walking out of the tree line and he just walks up to him. And he's just like, Hey, what are you guys, what are you guys doing here? Who are you guys? I'm like, who are we? Who the hell are you? <laughs> Like, we're, um, we tell them, like, yeah, we're here, you know, Marines, we're doing this thing. And this guy is like, oh, yeah, my wife and I, like, we travel and we snorkel. That's our big thing. Like, we've traveled all these different places around the world and we do snorkeling and everything. So we're out here visiting. And, and he's telling us that apparently that area that is around Peleliu in the island chain there is, as far as he said, is one of the most revered snorkeling spots in the entire world because the when you get in the water the depth will change so dramatically you know you'll be you'll be going ahead like swimming in what is basically three or four feet of water and it will like you're talking about with the marianas trench which is obviously extreme because that goes down to like hades is at the bottom you know uh, but you'll just be going and all of a sudden it'll just drop off into like a hundred foot depth. So, I mean, just all of the stuff that you can see out there when you're snorkeling and I'm just like, dude, can you imagine that's like blowing my mind? Like you just travel around the world and just go snorkeling and diving. And like, that's just your thing. I mean, the, I was at work the other day and this, uh, this boat came in wandering bear is the name of the boat and yes i don't know the name of the owner bad luck though why is that because you should always name the boat after miladies oh okay <laughs> well like i say i don't know the uh the crazy thing is that it's it's almost like a houseboat it's not huge like a normal houseboat but it has an entire cabin and everything with like a kitchen and a dining area and a sleeping area. I mean, it's dude, this boat is super cool, super cool. And, you know, obviously everybody at the shop is all week has been looking at this thing like, man, how freaking awesome would it be to like, have this thing and just, you know, live on it for a summer or something, you know? But I'm out there working on this thing and this old dude shows up. And he's looking at it, whatever. And I start talking to him and he's telling me that he knows the guy who's the owner of this. And he's telling me, he says, yeah, you know, I know the guy who owns it. You know, he and his wife have done, I think he called it the Great Circle. He said, yeah, they did. Not on this boat, but they had another boat. It was like a trawler. Uh, they did the Great Circle. And I'm like, okay. He's like, you know, you know what that is? I said, no. What, what does that mean? He's telling me that this couple with this other boat that they owned had gone up the Hudson river. They had jumped on the Erie canal and took the Erie canal all the way across to the great lakes. What took the boat all the way around the great lakes to Chicago, jumped on the Illinois river in Chicago and took that all the way down to the Mississippi took that all the way down to New Orleans, east along the Gulf Coast, to Pensacola, down around Florida, and all the way up the East Coast back to the Hudson River. I'm like... That's insane. That's, <laughs> I cannot imagine. That, that would have to take months. It would have to take months to do that. I mean, unless you were really pressing. But even if you are really pressing, dude, I mean, a boat that's going to make that kind of a voyage, I'm like, that is absolutely incredible, man. 
how cool would that be? You know, you like have your boat and you just like go to Chicago. Be like, oh, you know, there's, you know, we're going to sidle up to a pier. Where's a restaurant? Well, we're going to go eat, come back to the boat, go down the Mississippi, the old miss. Like how many places along the Mississippi, St. Louis, all these other places. Memphis. Yes. Memphis. You could just be like, oh, yeah. I mean, how many, I mean, how many restaurants are there right on the river in a city like Memphis that are literally on a pier somewhere? That you could just pull up the whole in your... downtown areas right there on the river. That's what I'm saying. You could just like bring your boat up, be like, yeah, we're going to sidle up here, you know, go get some dinner, come back. Well, we're leaving tomorrow. <laughs> that is an incredible voyage. My God. I mean, you think about all of the ports that you could, that you could, you know, New York City, all the way over to the Great Lake, Chicago, St. Louis, Memphis, all the way down the river to New Orleans. Then all the way east, Mobile, Pensacola. I mean, you name so, it, man. I I know you have you have uh, you weren't on this trip, but I know you have uh, awareness of it. But back in 2012, it was uh, and it was the your your guys's band in New Orleans, and then my band in Great Lakes in Chicago that went on the 1812 tour. Yep, and it and it was. It was a couple of months. Yep. And we went all through the Great Lakes. Oh, yeah. No, I remember. God, what band? Was that? It was, that was New Orleans. Was it the New Orleans band that did yeah. that? Yeah. Because apparently they don't have a AOR. But it, uh, yeah. So anyway, so. But those, they, they had a, a ship that was decommissioning. And I can't think. Of, it was it was just a frigate, right? right. And a frigate for those uh, uninitiated is a very small ship comparative in the navy yeah they're a pretty small crew small enough to be able to go up the hudson yeah oh yeah so that would be the ship that's the ship that was on display uh you know for the whole cruise right because all the ports that all the cities we're list or we're going to had um you know ports of do you know do you know what class that was the frigate was that an aegis class ship no, it was not. It wouldn't have been a decommissioned. Yeah, I was gonna. Say. I think it was like a uh, a Perry Oliver Hazard Perry class Perry yeah. class. But yeah, because I mean, they, but, cause those, but that's uh, where the Marines had to stay. This yeah, they were, they were staying on the ship. They would. They had their own bus, and the tour bus guys would go, and then we ride the ship, and then we had vans, and we would stay in hotels. Right, just out there. Um, but uh, yeah, I expect like, nothing less. The, the ship traverse the great lakes yeah the whole time no i remember i remember when those guys were doing that tour and it was pretty cool man pretty cool i mean you know the war of 1812 is one of those one of those you know not many people really know a lot about the sort of the history of that geographically i mean where that you know where you know where that that war was fought and like you say a, a large part of it was was actually fought up in the great lakes region um, and it was a, it, the War of eighteen twelve did not end in eighteen twelve for those people. Ah, uh, no, <laughs> no. Just in case you were wondering, it didn't end in eighteen twelve. You know what today is though? Today September, is September seventeenth. September seventeenth is yep. the uh, for Marines. It is the uh, Battle of Inchon. Oh, there you go. Good man. Good man. Uh, it is also the anniversary of the Battle of Antietam. Oh really? Eighteen six, eighteen six. You went further back. Oh yeah, it's I'm way back too. Yeah, yeah. No, the Battle of Battle of Antietam fought in in uh, Sharpsburg, Sharpsburg, Maryland. Still today, the bloodiest day in American history. Twenty five thousand, twenty five thousand casualties in one day. One day. That's like the entire population of the town I live in gone in one it's, day. Well, pretty mean, wild. Yeah. So there you go. And let us not forget, they were all Americans. North and South, they were both, they were all Americans. But yeah, no, crazy. I totally forgot about it until I saw somebody post something on Facebook earlier today, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's right." Battle of Inchon. My my uh, my brother's uh, cousin uh, 
she was married to a dude, this guy Frank, who actually was a Marine who fought in the Battle of, An- of Inchon. Mm. Which, now, if you, you don't know, if you don't know much about the Battle of Inchon, man, you talk about a harrowing experience. Like, wow. Well, and you know, it, this is something, and I can only speak to my family, but being fortunate enough to like have my wife in the military, she was in the military and served country, and then myself and. And, and traveling together, you know, we decided a long time ago um, that we wanted to make sure our children understood that, one, um, we, as Americans, have it way better than a lot of other countries do. Than any other country does. And, I, and, and please, for those listening, this has nothing to do with privilege. Nope. Um, because... There are people that don't have choice. Nope. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is the fact that we would make sure that our kids understood that they have it a lot better than other countries do. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and, and the thing is, that you and I have, you, you know, you and I as service members have traveled around the world enough to really see that firsthand. You know, I mean, I've been to places around the world where you see how people live and it's like, dude. I mean, when you when you see some of these places around the world, you're like, we are we are very we are fortunate. We are not privileged. We're fortunate. Yeah, that's a great word. You know that we live in a place where you know one of the and I've said this. Uh, I'm not. We're not going to get on like a political tangent because we don't talk about that stuff on the show. Um, but you know, one of the things that's very interesting about the nation that we live in is the fact that we have a constitution that grants us negative rights. You know, these are natural rights. These are rights that are not given to us by our government. These are the idea being that we have natural rights that are given to us by our creator when we're born. And these are rights that can't be taken away. And there's no other country in the world that has a bonding uh, document that guarantees those kind of rights to its, its citizens. And that is one of the things that, that makes the United States such a truly unique place in the world. Uh, you know, we, and, and this is with all the stuff that's been going on in the, the past six months, it's one of the things that we've really struggled with as, as a nation is, uh, you know, where do your natural rights, where does your free will as a citizen end and, you know, the the uh, authority of the government begin? Uh, because we are a nation that is born of revolution. We are, a na- you know, we're a nation that is is rooted in the idea that you as an individual have a right to choose. Like you said, we have choice and you have a right to do things that are we all know are bad for us, but you still have the right to make that decision. Um, so, like I say, uh, it's, it's kind of hard when, when you sort of try, try to draw a parallel between us as a nation and other nations in the world because there, aren't, there is no other nation in the world that, that guarantees its citizens the, the kind of freedoms that we have. Um, so there you go. There's my soapbox for, <laughs> you know, for today. I'll just put that out there. But uh, no, it is pretty interesting stuff. No, it is, man. And, um, you know, the, the, the point I was trying to make, you know, between all these things that that when you have people that have served and, and what we've gone through as a oh, yeah. as a nation to get to where we're at it's right one of those things like i hope my kids never ever forget um and also they never mistake their how they've been brought up because you know i was talking with some people and it's like it's almost like that especially people our age right like um, a, an old school mentality, right? Of like, 
I personally don't accept like I don't I don't herald when when my kids do what they're supposed to do in school, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, yeah, or or just whatever they're trying to accomplish. Like, I'm sorry, but that's what you're supposed to like. That's your I, job. It, that's like, oh, you turned your homework in on time, right? Um, yeah, they don't get they don't get a lollipop for that. That's right, because that's just what they're supposed to do. I mean, I, I remember having that exact same conversation with my kids. You know, it was it was just simply, you know, I go I get up and I go to work every day because that's what I have to do. And you as a kid going to school, that's your job. That's your responsibility. And well, and, and my wife's like email taglines, like we do what we have to do. So we get to do what we want to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. You do what you got to do because there ain't nothing in life that's for free. But today. But today is YouTube Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. It is what is the last thing that you watched on YouTube? So what do you got? Why do I have to be first, man? First of all, like even the last the last time that we did this, it was funny mm. because because my do- like our right. our Netflix accounts and stuff are ta- like we have a smart TV and so my daughter watches all these shows. <laughs> and and I was like, well, fuck, like, all of them are like, Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig, Play-Doh Meal, making kitchen playset. I don't understand why kids, I'm, I'm, I'm literally going through, and I'll get to the first one, Alice becomes Little Mer. So apparently okay. you can't look at YouTube and no, you uh, can't. scroll through. But yeah. wherever it stopped, wherever it stopped, uh, it's been a bunch of like my daughter watching videos but when you stop at mine it's and we said we're going to talk about this stuff and we really kind of glossed over it because we got unimportant things but um the dallas it was it was the dallas cowboys versus atlanta falcons upcoming game okay and how are they going to recover from and i i love the i love to like the word recover they lost 20 to 17 against the Rams, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lost some key, we two key players, our tight end and our linebacker, who is the play caller for the defense during the first quarter of the game. Um, okay. But it was, are they going to recover? Like Mike McCarthy, is he going to, is he going to like, you know, change anything within a week's time or not um and quite frankly I, I tell you during that game i'm like this is bullshit like they had our number like right the coaching we were out coached we weren't out played we were out coached yeah they made adjustments and it, i was surprised it was only 2017 and you know, I don't, I don't like pinning the wins and losses of a game on a ref's call because there, there are things that happen, you know, during a game that uh, negate that. Like, sure, you, can't, you know course. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, like that was the video. It was it was it was uh, uh, I don't want to go. I can't go look and look, but uh, Colin. Uh, Colin, not, but anyways, uh, that was the video I watched was about, about that. And, and, you know, Atlanta, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. They're, they're in decline. They've been in decline. Well, they, yeah, yeah, they've been, they've been hurting. I mean, you and I had talked about that before we were talking about, you know, the whole situation with, uh, with what's his name with Ryan, Oh, I thought you were going to say what's his name is uh, your boy Tom Brady. Well, yeah, he's apparently now is a uh, what's his name because uh, <laughs> uh, that I, I heard that uh, I didn't watch it personally, but uh, I heard that the the uh, performance was lackluster. No, well, so I watched the game and the first drive was like, "Fuck, these guys are badass," right? Yeah. And then the rest of the game, I. Imagine this. Mm-hmm. You have OJ Howard, who is a very, very good tight end. Right. And you have Rob Gronkowski, 
and I don't care how long he's played, he's gonna be in the on the Hall of Fame. Sure. Yep. And then you throw two passes to Rob Gronkowski, and the rest of the time he was just blocking. Now he's a good blocking tight end. Sure. He's not just an offensive tight end. He's a blocking tight end. But your scheme is to only not even send him out on like as a decoy. Right. Right. It's like, you're, that's how you're going to use this dude. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know because I'll tell you what, uh, you know what I hope happens. I hope what happens because we lost our number one tight end. Then mm-hmm. we go after OJ Howard and then it opens up the offense for Gronk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's... you could obviously you could tell that that Brady was not uh used to the communication with the rod receivers was not there. Right. Yeah. Now, like I say, I mean, I didn't watch it myself. I just heard it was awful. <laughs> I heard it was just not But a the good... Patriots, however, yeah, was to me was a uh, a flipping mentality and you know i think that and you can you can use this metaphor in any in business military mm-hmm. whatever right? right like these are my stars slash studs these are their strengths and these are their weaknesses let's manage their weaknesses and highlight their strengths. And that's exactly what the Patriots did. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I don't care what the fucking score is. It could be one. It could be a one point win. A win is a win is a win. Right. If you win every game by one point, it's still a win. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, and the, I mean the Patriots have done that for years. You know they've yes. gone to they, they've gone to they've gone to you know to Super Bowls with seasons where, you know, they won the vast majority of their games by three points or less. I mean th- that tight, but they were still winning, and it still got them there. So, um, what was my, their record last year? Thirteen. Oh God, I can't even remember. Yeah, it was something like that. I don't know if it was that good last year because they got knocked off pretty. They got knocked off pretty early. But you know that's the thing. It was between a rough college and, and professional. Like the goal is Super Bowl and professional. Oh and, sure. You know you you can you can go. Uh, what was it? Fifteen and no. Yeah. You don't. But you you don't win that sixteenth game. Yep. It doesn't I, matter. That's it. Yeah. So my YouTube. Do you remember, and we're going to do like, yeah, okay. For folks out there, who remembers Late Night with David Letterman? And when I say Late Night with David Letterman, I'm talking about Late Night with David Letterman. Before he made the move to CBS, before he made the move to CBS, and he was on NBC, and it was late night, not the late show. You remember? Were you a fan? Yes. Oh, dude, I oh, was yeah. big time back then, dude. Back then, David Letterman was freaking hilarious. He was hilarious. His his late night show was so freaking good. Um, and it was on after uh, the Tonight Show. So it was literally a late night show because, I mean, it came on at like 1230 in the morning, came on after uh, Johnny Carson. Anyway, there was a guy who has become a pretty prominent comedic actor, uh, Chris Elliott. Do you remember Chris Elliott? Yes. Yes, he was. These pipes are clean. Uh, Yes. He was, he was most recently, he, he, he was featured on uh, the series Shit's Creek. Have you watched this series? Yes. Oh my God, it is freaking hilarious. But back in the day, and we're talking like the mid 80s, Chris Elliott was on Light Sherman. 
and he played this character called the guy, the guy beneath the stairs. Dude, I found these YouTube videos of him playing like this whole series of characters coming out as like Marlon Brando. <laughs> like all these ridiculous freaking characters. And one of the best ones was him coming out because the other guy that was on late night and actually made the transition over to the late show was the, it was, was the infamous Paul Schaefer with yes. the world's most dangerous band. Yes. That, that, that's what the name of the band was yep. before they moved to CBS. When they were on NBC, it was Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band. And they were badass, dude. The guys that were in that band, Anton Fig on drums and Will Lee on bass. Will like, Lee on bass. Dude, they were a badass band. Um, but there's this one sketch that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna or a clip that I'm gonna share on the page of Chris Elliott behind the keyboards impersonating Paul Schaefer. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, it is freaking hilarious. It is just too much, man. You know, and really, when you see this stuff and you watch it, you're like, "What was God. what was his character's name on something about Mary?" Oh my God, I can't even remember. Wobi, Wobi, he's he's Wolfie, been like, wo- like he was he he was on uh, he was in uh, what was the movie where he had the was it scary movie where he had the the strong hand. Do you remember that? Yes. Let me let me use my strong hand. <laughs> dude, the crazy thing is is that dude Chris Elliott lives up here now. Like he lives in the next town over. I think his I think his family's had property up here for a long time and I think he used to come up in the summers. Uh he, he like he, there's a, a a music theater that runs in the like Summerstock that runs in the uh, in Brunswick here. And for years, he was a regular guy, like coming up and checking out these like musicals and stuff over at the college. Um, but now, apparently, he's just like he lives up here, and he's just like a dude that you can run into at like the grocery store. <laughs> it's freaking crazy, man. You know. But I'm gonna share this video because this this video of him doing this impersonation of freaking Paul Schaefer is he is absolutely on point, absolutely on point. It's funny as hell. So. You know, but, okay, uh, quick quick thing about Paul Schaefer, right? Yeah. He was the keyboardist that recorded everything for the Blues Brothers uh, movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, but he was contractually obligated to do other things, and so then that's when they brought in the other guy. Oh, okay. So his, his comeback was that when they... Uh, did Blues Brothers 2000, then he mm. actually got to be in the movie. And, oh, and there cool. was a, there's a, there's a part in the movie where the, the original key, uh, the keyboard player, I'm sorry, not the original, but the keyboard player that was in, in the movie, he was yeah. like, Hey, do you mind if I take over and starts playing? And that's kind of the, the symbology of, of like, yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm here now. But he well, was... and you know, and you know the you know the other you know the other infamous bit part that Paul Schaefer had in a film. He was in Spinal Tap. Yes, he was. He was. He was. And he had hair. Marty... <laughs> oh well, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Ish. He was. He was Marty. Oh my God! What the hell did he call? What was his name? He was like the guy from the. He was the guy. He was supposed to set up the. Uh, the the record signing or t-shirt signing thing at the record store for the band he was the guy from like the radio station he was the marketing guy and like nobody shows up he's like this huge spinal tap fan and like they're there at the at the record store and there's nobody there no it's Artie Fufkin Artie Fufkin that's it yep that's him dude oh my god that freaking that bit part I was like that's incredible dude this freaking Paul Schaefer's in spinal tap Ian Faith. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I, mean, I know. Between that, David St. Hubbins. <laughs> David St. Hubbins. <laughs> he's, like, the, he's, the, he's the patron saint of quality footwear. Quality footwear. <laughs> uh, 
D uh, Marty DeBerge. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. The hostess with the mostest. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Ian, you took a greased down naked woman with a dog collar around her neck and a chain. That's and Bobby and a Fleckman. Hand. <laughs> Bobby Bobby Fleckman. Bobby Fleckman. Oh my god, dude. The people in that movie just blow my mind. So, and, and then you have uh, Viv Savage, who is the keyboard player. And yeah, right. Mick exactly. Shipton, who, yep. the, the drum, I, I wish I, I, I don't know all the drummers' names, but Mick Shipman, Shipman was the one that hadn't exploded. Right, right. <laughs> he, did event, he did eventually. But the, it was uh, the keyboardist there. What was his name? That was Mick. Mick. And is they're they're going around sorry, doing no, the interview. No, 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 Viv, Viv, Viv Savage. Savage. Viv, Viv Savage. They they're doing the little interviews, and he's like, "What does he say?" He's like, "My motto: Have a good time, all the time." Wait, <laughs> one of the dr- Stumpy Joe, Stumpy Joe, and Stumpy then, Joe, and then, and then and Billy Crystal's in there. He was like, yep. "What are you doing? What are you doing? You have to because he, he was the guy like that was he was the he was the, the mind, mind leader." He, yeah, like mime, mime now, mime later. Or what was <laughs> mime is money? Mime is money. Mime is money. Mime is what? What are you doing? Get get the get the little cannolis. <laughs> totally awesome. Oh hey, for, for the folks who are out there checking out the show, really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Monday is New Music Monday. I've got something real interesting for Monday. Yes. I hope everybody digs it. But uh, check out the page. Check out the clips. We're going to have our, our videos from, uh, from YouTube on there. And, uh, you know, get, send us some feedback. Let us know what you think. And uh, tell your family, tell your friends. We'll be talking to you on Monday. Later. Wait.